Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, we got a good one. This may be the stuff of legend here. This may be one of my all-time favorite episodes. I'm just being honest. It's about dealing with angry clients and it is not the technical part. It is not the, the David L. model that I usually teach. This is how not to cry. And I think a lot of people want to hear that episode. This is all about letting it go. This is about how to shake those people off. So gather the team around, share this out with your practice. I think that a lot of people will get uh, get something out of this that they need. So, uh, you know, I hope that you really, really do enjoy it. I'm super proud of it. Speaking of being proud of it, I am super proud of this podcast and how it's been sounding lately. And if you've noticed uh, a difference in the audio quality, it's because of our new team member. We got Dustin Bays. Uh, he is a friend of mine. He is the founder of Bays Brass. He does all sorts of uh, music instruction and coaching and training training and he is a creative genius and he's taken over podcast editing and man it's gone to the next level so if you're like wow it feels like I'm sitting at the table with Andy and Stephanie that's because of the magic of Dustin Bays and so thanks to him for that last but not least tomorrow night December the 10th we have a workshop on marketing made easy if you want to get your 2021 marketing plan knocked out real fast jump in with us for our workshop we're going to be sharing best practices we're going to be looking at what other practices have done we're going to be looking back at what you've done in the past and how it's worked and we are just going to real fast get you a plan so that you guys can just run it next year without having to think too much about it that is december the 10th it is a two-hour workshop head over to unchartedvet.com and check it out i will put the link for register down below in the show notes <gasps> and with that let's get into this episode and now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we're back. <laughs> it's me and Stephanie Hakuna Matadagos. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. it. Means no worries when angry people <laughs> call your clinic and call you a fascist. That is that is very, very true. Yep. Very true. How's it going? It's it's good. Yeah. It is good. Yep. Happy to be doing this with you. Um, yeah, things are rolling along. Good. Living the life. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm good. Living living the dream. Living the dream as well. Living the dream. I'm actually I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today because this is kind of one of my favorite topics. Those of us those who listen to us know that the front desk team is near and dear to my heart. Yep. Before I started in the practice, I, I think they don't get anywhere near enough love. And this is a really common uh, question. And it's certainly one that I have wrestled with within my own front desk team. And I know that all of my manager friends have faced it too. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about this one. Yeah. Well, go ahead and, and, and lay it out. Let's get into it. We had someone who was asking for resources and help with a newer team member. Um, it's a it's a newer front desk team member, and they said that she's fantastic at customer service, and yet it is, I don't know whether it's that time of year, or they're just coming out of the woodwork, or they just kind of have happened along, but there are those clients that come into the practice who you just cannot make happy. And so this is a team member who has been dealing with some of those clients, it seems like. And she sent a message to the doctor asking for help, asking if she had any uh, resources or information about how to deal with particularly rude or and or difficult clients. 
she said uh, to her boss, you know, I am trying and I am doing my best, but this is the second day in a row that a client has made me cry. And I am trying to work really hard on my own to not take things personally and to not apologize, you know, you know, every five seconds. But this is really difficult for me. I am really struggling with not taking the client's frustration and angry personally. And she asked her boss for what what to do and how how to find some help and some some resources. And I think this is a common theme. It's always been a struggle for a lot of front desk teams, but I think right now in particular, the COVID environment, the curbside environment heading into the holidays and the end of the year just seems to make the difficult client at least for me in my practice, uh, seem like they are coming out of the woodwork. Oh, God, yeah. All right, yes, 100%. This is super, super common. Things that really detonated the situation on an ongoing basis is that we tend to attract a very kind-hearted, compassionate person to work in veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. There are wonderful people at the front desk who want to uh, give back and work with animals and do good in the world. And they are kind and compassionate and caring. And that's what brought them to veterinary medicine. And they, by design, struggle with people being angry and people being upset. We have a lot of empaths in our profession. And it makes this particular part of the job very hard for that personality type, which I think we're probably overrepresented in. And when you say overrepresented, I don't mean it's a bad thing. I just mean that we have more than other professions have. Yeah. Uh, as far as people who, who are sensitive or who feel these things or who desperately want you to be happy. Let me give you, like, let me put this in perspective. The guy at Verizon doesn't really <laughs> give much of a crap about whether or not your Wi-Fi works. You know what I mean? Like, he right. doesn't care. The front desk person at the vet clinic, she does care whether or not your puppy has parvo yeah. and whether or not it gets treated and whether or not it's in pain. She cares a lot. Yeah. And so th- that's just a, a fundamental realistic difference. The other big thing that's right now with COVID, yeah. the reality is that the people who are calling in because they're angry are They've got a lot going on in their life. They're stressed to the limit. And small things suddenly seem really big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not being able to get in for your wellness vaccines this week before you go, before you're supposed to go bored, but you're going to drop your pet off, let's say, uh, for the holiday because you're doing whatever. Not being able to get in for vaccines before you have to go out of town, that would make you irritated in a normal time. Yeah. And in a COVID time, it's just beyond, you know, what someone can handle. And so we have we have people complaining who are just turned up to 11 because of things that are way outside of our control or their control. And then our people have lots of stressors, right? Like our people are emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted and they're worried about their mom who's running a fever and oh my god, what if? What if? Mm-hmm. And now some guy is yelling at them about wait time right and it just feels exponentially worse it's like one of those things when uh you want to break down and cry and you're like why am i crying about this why why am i crying because the grocery store doesn't have the coffee filters that i like (laughs) all they have are the brown ones that do not look good in my coffee machine and i am crying you know (laughs) I do know. (laughs) 
I do know. And, and you, <laughs> you know, having, having worked with me and knowing that I am, I am a crier in the best of times, let alone times like this when we're dealing with challenging clients. And, you know, it's, it's a really, really a struggle. And so I'm glad this one came up because I think a lot of times our response I know I have been guilty of this. I think a lot of times our response as leaders is for the answer to be very black and white, for the answer to be to our teammates telling them, you know, don't take it personal, shake it off. Yeah. And then asking the question, is this something I need to fire the client over or not? And if the answer is not, then we let it go and we move on. And I I think we don't do a fantastic job on the whole of taking the time to slow down and actually answer the question that was asked here by this CSR to say, how do I learn this? I I need help. Please direct me to resources or information. Teach me how to solve this problem because I recognize I play a role in it. I recognize my emotions play a role in it. I recognize that I need to not take it personally and let it go, but I don't know how to do that. And so I think we have a big missed opportunity a lot of the time with our team to address the actual question, which is what do, how, how do I how do I deal with this? There are two questions that often get conflated. What do I say to this person? Right. And the other question is what do I say to myself? So that I don't feel mad, angry, resentful, you know, things like that. And we talk again and again, I guess, about how to sort of head off angry clients. There is clear staff training that we can do on angry clients. Mm -hmm. I do it over on the Dr. Andy Rourke site. Um, Mm -hmm. We just did a Charming the Angry Client staff training class. And we had a lot of people show up, which was great. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, plan to, I plan to do it again, and, and I'm sort of working on some stuff just to give that level of training of here's what you say, and here's how you say it. The question here is not, in my estimation, what do you say? It's how do I not feel awful? How do mm-hmm. I know where my boundaries are as far as right. me personally? How much abuse do I have to take? How much, you know, what, uh, when do I say, I'm not dealing with this person anymore. When do mm-hmm. I fire people? And that's definitely beyond here's what you say when the person is angry and here's how you um, softly disagree and here's how you change the conversation and things right. like that. And so right. I, I think those are two equally important things. I think that most leaders really struggle with the second mm-hmm. because it's not black and white. You know, it's not step one, step two, step three, step four. It is very much looking at this philosophically. So I, I'm super glad they asked this question. I think this is something that you and I are good at and we can definitely talk about. And I am looking forward to laying it out today. Yeah. So the question always is where where do we begin? We begin with headspace. Okay. What does that look like? Headspace looks like this. First thing is... You have got to make some space between yourself and what the person is mad about. Mm -hmm. I think that it is very important in giving feedback and dealing with angry people. Separate the person from the behavior. Mm -hmm. This person is not a bully. This is a person who is struggling and they are using bully tactics. Right. Or this person is not an abuser. Mm -hmm. This person is upset and they are using language that has crossed the line into being abusive. Mm -hmm. And just that separation of people and behavior, that is the first step. I put that on the other side, the person who's being angry, and I look at them and say, separate the person from the behavior. And then I look at myself and I do the same thing. Separate myself from the entity being criticized. They are not Mm -hmm. criticizing me as a person. They are criticizing the wait time that they had here. 
They are not criticizing me as a person. They are upset because they did not understand what was being communicated. Mm -hmm. They're not criticizing me. They are angry that their spouse is being unreasonable. And they, rather than fight with their spouse, they are choosing to fight with a person who doesn't live with them Mm -hmm. and who they will not see again every day. And they are making that choice. Right. And it's what's happening. So separate the person from the behavior and focus on behaviors is number one is the headspace. Okay. Number two is one of our uncharted classics that we say and use all the time, hurt people, hurt people. And that is just, uh, especially with COVID, that is so important. If someone is being abusive to you, it is because they are in pain. Mm -hmm. And I've just found that to be true again and again and again. Happy, healed, stable people don't abuse front desk people. You know, they don't use those tactics. They don't make personal attacks. That's just not what a balanced person does. Yeah. If this person is using these tactics, it's about them. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. And so headspace again is no, hurt people, hurt people. If someone is coming in and just raising cane, that's about them. I, I'll, I'll give you an example of something I saw recently. I have a friend and he got very angry at a business in our town okay. and he went after them. He had a bad experience there. He was very upset. He wrote these like one-star reviews. He was just furious with this business. And I happen to know the owner of that business. So I know the person who's mad. Got it. And I know the person who is receiving these complaints. And I ended up in a conversation with the business owner who was like, hey, I've got this guy who's just leading a Facebook mob. Mm -hmm. And what the business owner didn't know that I did was that this guy has got some serious health concerns Mm -hmm. that have come up. And he is sick. Mm -hmm. And he is mad at the world. And he is mad at his life. And he is mad at the unfairness of all of it. Mm -hmm. And so it was just this fascinating experience in my life to see one person who's just raging. And then to see the other person who's taking this rage And the third piece of information, which is not being discussed by anyone, is, hey, customer, you've got something you're really upset about that is really damaging you and hurting Mm -hmm. you. And that is what this is about, honestly. You know, like, I I, I have no doubt that's what it's about. And so I got to say that to my friend who owned the business and said, hey, look, you know, this generally is what I am aware of is going on. And so I want you to know that that's where this person is probably coming from. It has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And then I could say to my friend, hey, listen, I know you're really upset about this business. Do you think that you're being entirely fair to them? Or is this about something else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just, it was one of those stars aligning things to see both sides of that and be able to have sort of those small little mentions to people and things kind of stabilize and go back to to being normal. But I use that as an example because it's it's true. You know, it's... People are angry. They're hurt about things that you don't know anything about. You don't have anything to do with. But if we can just remember and believe that hurt people hurt people, it makes all of this so much easier. And that dovetails into the classic, everyone's fighting a battle that we don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And you and I say that every other episode. 
mm-hmm. of this podcast. Like, I have no idea what's going on with these people. But there is a lot of battles going on. A lot yep. of people are fighting 2020 tooth and nail. They are all fighting battles. And we don't know the specifics. Yeah. But there's a lot of people in battles. And we're seeing the fallout from that. So I guess I put that stuff forward as headspace is separate the person from behavior. Remember that hurt people hurt people. Remember everyone's fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And the last part of headspace for me is I have always found it very beneficial to look at what someone says and say, what does this say about that person? And and the reason I say that is because the default for most of us is if you say, you suck, I naturally think of that as you talking about me because you are. The (laughs) truth is you're not talking about me. I'm learning something about you. And so the fact that you would yell at someone who's just doing their job and say, you suck because I can't get into the appointment schedule, that says more about you than it does about me. And that's just sort of the, the basis that we build our boundaries upon. So those are my big four headspace pieces. That makes total sense to me. And I think for for me, the it, it's anecdotal, but it totally is true that a lot of the time, so there have been hundreds of incidents over the now 17 years that I've been in veterinary medicine where I've been called to get on the phone or to the front desk because the team has done their part already with the client. They feel like they can't solve the problem and they need help. Or they're like, this client is super angry and they're shouting at me and I need you to get on the phone. And there've been so many times where I have talked to a client and I have done a lot of what we're going to kind of talk about next, but then where they come back the next day and I get an email or I get an apology note or I get some sort of communication from them that says, you know, I, it, a lot of time it doesn't even come to me. A lot of the time it comes to the team directly and we'll get emails in the email box where they're like, I'm, I'm so sorry that I called and yelled at you yesterday. I had, you know, I had this going on at work or I had, you know, gotten in a, in a fender bender on my way to the clinic and I just was super frustrated. It had nothing to do with you. And I'm really sorry for my behavior. A lot of the time, people recognize that and and they they let it go. And I think the team needs training for when that isn't the case and to know what the boundaries are. But I think so, so many times, I think if we think about ourselves, we have all we've all been there. We've all done that. We've all had that moment where we're like super, super mad at someone, whether it's in a customer service setting or not. And the reality is our anger has nothing to do with that person or that situation. It has to do with something that's going on in our personal lives. And so I think, I think that that perspective is, is so, so important. And I think that's why we repeat it over and over again on the podcast is that, you know, so much of our lives in veterinary medicine are dealing with communication and dealing with another person and so many times that has to that has to be weighed into the equation i agree and so that that's that's what we're going to talk about today so let's let's do some coaching for our front desk employee let's just walk through what we would sort of say and and uh sort of the resource that we would want to create sound good yep i love it all right cool so Coaching for the front desk. The number one thing that I would say is know that I know that you are representing our practice having not been the one who performed the service, who made the policy, who made the mistake possibly that the person is upset about, right? Right. I know that you are our representative, but I, but not that that you caused these things these people are upset about. I need you to know that. I know it. I need you to know it uh, for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because that is 
the number one thing that's going to give these people comfort is remember you are vital. You are important. You are the mouthpiece of our practice. You are the voice of our practice, but you're not the hands of our practice necessarily. And you are not the brain of our practice who made these policy choices. And I want you to create that separation that you are the communicator, but I don't want you to feel the guilt that people will try to put on you strategically, that is so freeing because what I need my front desk person to do and so what I'm trying to bring them around, and I may ask them questions to try to get them here, I need them to separate out the experience they're having so that this is not a feedback session. They are not, when the client is, is talking to them, they are not giving you feedback on your job performance or right. on how you're doing. I, as your boss, I will give you that. Right. I will let you know. And if I'm not giving you feedback or, or letting you know how you're doing your job, that's on me. But I will let you know how you're doing. Um, so don't worry about that. I need you to look at this as a game. You have this angry person. They are upset. They are pointing this at you. You did not cause this. This is not a critique of you or your job performance or who you are as an individual. I need you to look at this unemotionally as possible and to figure out the puzzle. How do we deal with this person? How are we going to bring them down to a rational, reasonable level? How do we get to calm them down? How do we reduce the likelihood of them spreading negative word of mouth about our practice? How do I reduce the, the nastiness of what they say when they talk to other people? How do I increase the chances of them coming back and doing business with our practice again? Those are your jobs. Like that, That's the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the three metrics that matter when you're dealing with this angry person. And so if you can put yourself into a critical game like headspace think queen's gambit chess game you're in a place to get work done and also you have good healthy boundaries up so i i need them to disconnect the feedback they're getting from any sort of personal critique and i need them to see this as the game that it is and i want you to play the customer service game and play it well but don't don't let it get into your heart like that that's that's point one and i guess as a follow-up to that rule number one for me would be that it is not necessarily your fault. Like sometimes you get a client where the thing that they're mad about, you actually directly were involved in. Mm -hmm. And so that is an opportunity to practice a skill, which is taking responsibility. And it's, it actually is a skill and we do have to practice it. But where I often see teams get into trouble is when someone feels put on the spot and they panic Mm -hmm. and then their immediate response is to throw their teammates under the bus and to cite policy or to cite well you know this is this is just the way we do it this is you know this is our rule to to reach for something that feels like the raging flaming sword of justice and ultimately Mm -hmm. what happens is teammates get thrown under the bus because someone is trying to in that moment of panic say I didn't do it it wasn't it wasn't my fault and so for me it's about taking a deep breath and saying this is not a blame game like this is not the opportunity for you to try and deflect or assign responsibility to someone that's not the that's not the point because all that that will do is cause more feelings of anger and frustration and hurt more in the long run than just sitting back and listening and recognizing that mistakes happen we are all human everybody screws up 
and they may not be your fault, but in the customer service role, your job is to figure out how to help the client move forward. And I say that specifically because sometimes we can't make them happy. Solving the problem to me indicates that it goes away. And for some of these situations with some clients, it doesn't go away because I can't, I can't make it fixed for them. I can't do what they're asking me to do. I can still offer solutions and offer them options, but ultimately it may not make them happy. And so I think that that's something that we need to remember is that our job is to try and help the client do something about it. It may not be what they want. It may not be something that makes the problem go away, but you can still help them. You can't do that if you get into playing the blame game with the client. You know those you know those pieces of advice that your parents give you when you start driving? Mm-hmm. Did you did you have any of those? Did your parents like did they have things that they said to you that were like mm-hmm. their mantras? There were clearly things that they were worried about that they sure. uh, wanted to be like my wife's dad always said to her that a car was a loaded weapon. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And like yeah. and th- that was like his and but that was his phrase you now remember car is a loaded weapon. <laughs> 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 no, that's so funny. My my parents were terrified. Like my mom had read something, and I don't even know if this is true, but I, I bet it probably is. But my mom had read something that the biggest mistake that people make in driving is when they lose control of the car, right? When it goes off the road, mm-hmm. that there is something instinctual in your brain that says, I have to stop this car. Mm-hmm. This I have to stop it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the instinctual thing in your brain looks up and sees a tree and is like, that will stop the car. Mm-hmm. And you will actually naturally, instinctively steer into immovable objects to stop the car. So you will drive yourself into a tree. Right. Or you will drive yourself into the bridge above it. And, and I don't know if that's true, but that's what she had read of like the biggest problem is you go off the road and then you have to stop. And so you guide <laughs> instinctually guide the car into the tree, which is the worst thing you could possibly do. Right. And what you have to do is resist the urge to drive into the tree and drive past the tree out into the field. Right. Where you will slowly roll to a stop. Right. OK. I tell that story because that instinct in my mind is exactly the same when we're dealing with angry clients. So this person is mad and they're yelling and I feel the need to stop this conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to steer the car into an immovable object, which is policy, which is, I'm sorry, it's not our policy to do blank. And I just steer Mm -hmm. them right into Mm -hmm. the, or I Mm -hmm. go, "Ah, you know, that's, that's uh, our nurses did that. Or that was, that was Carol. Uh, Carol, Carol did that and essentially what I'm doing is pointing the car at Carol because they then then the angry conversation will slam into Carol and that will stop the car as far as I'm concerned and yes, that I, yes. I hope that's not too too far of a stretch I really do think that that is the instinct that kicks in here's the truth when they're mad steer the car past the trees and just let it roll and ultimately yep. it will run out of gas like it will you know it will a glide to a halt. We do not have to slam the conversation into conflict. It's the idea being when someone is angry, I'm going to point them at the appropriate target that will resist them and then bam, car crash, conflict. Mm -hmm. And then one way or another, this will be over. The idea, the better idea is I want to let this car roll, which means... I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. 
I'm going to empathize and put myself in their position. I am, you know, I am going to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And my greater emphasis is not on fixing the problem. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where a lot of it comes from is I'm so mad because the doctor did this. Well, I'll get the doctor in here right away. Right. And then you throw the doctor in and now this person is yelling at the doctor. And that from the outside, that looks like a good idea. The truth is that is uh, the doctor is the tree and you're steering the car into the tree. Yep. That makes so much sense. Yeah. The the better play is to walk with this person and not slam them into a tree, Mm -hmm. but instead go through the process of calming them down Mm -hmm. and letting the car slow down. And ultimately we may bring them around to the doctor tree. Right. But hopefully they'll roll gently up to the base and thump into it. And then there will be a conversation instead of a crash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a lot of how I think is don't confuse resolving the issue with providing good customer service. They're yep. not the same thing. Sometimes right. the best customer service involves a very slow resolution of that issue. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, that, I, I, I just think that's so important to understand is at the front desk, for me, the job is not to solve the angry person's problem. The problem is, the the, the issue, the goal, the objective is to receive the angry person's problem. Know that their problem has been received to process that problem, to give them the perception that we are working on the problem and we are going to investigate the problem and they will be made whole and we will do what we can to, to make this right. Mm-hmm. And that is letting the car roll out into the field. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately for me, the, the end result needs to be figuring out how to make the client feel heard. And not that you're going to do what they want or you know, quote unquote, fix the problem for them, but they need to know and feel feel like they have been heard and that you are going to do something about it. I think, you know, there's there's this very basic lesson in customer service, which is don't use the word no, tell them what you can do for them. And I think that this is a very powerful lesson in that, that ultimately a huge part of my job as, as the, the manager when I get pulled into these conversations is I'm not doing anything magical. I'm not, you know, (laughs) sprinkling pixie dust or making unicorns appear and making it sunshine and rainbows. Really what I'm doing is diffusing the situation, letting them feel heard, and then telling them what I can do about it. And sometimes it may be giving them what they want. Sometimes that is the answer. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes all they need to hear is that their message has been received and that something is going to be done about it. And that still may leave them angry or frustrated. But if they feel heard more times than not, they're then not going to turn around and rant about that on Yelp. It's when they don't feel heard and they feel angry and the blame game happens and they get a CSR who's just like, well, you know, I Carol did that, not me, sorry. Then that's when the clients go on the internet and they get mad and they get ranty and they like your friend situation. They start the Facebook mob because they mm. don't feel heard and they yeah. don't feel like anything has been done to solve their problem. Well, to your point, 
the no, that's the tree, right? That's that's me saying, nope, that's not our policy. Nope, I'm not. We're not allowed to do that here. Yep. That is that is the tree I'm talking about steering into. Versus, I'm not breaking the rules, but I'm not necessarily going to tell them, nope, that's not our policy. I'm going to instead say, you know, let's talk about what we can do, and what I'm trying to do is keep keep the car rolling. Mm-hmm. Where referral comes in here is when I, as the CSR, I'm I'm out I'm out of runway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which means we are headed towards a big tree that I can't move. Right. But the practice manager could move it. You know what I mean? I, I can't forgive your bill. I can't give you a discount. I can't no charge the thing you're upset about. Mm-hmm. But someone else possibly could. And that's when, you know, that's when we're going to refer this up the chain. So that that's the next point that I want to make to the front desk is to say... I want you to handle what you can handle, but then these people need to go to to talk to someone who can help them. Mm-hmm. And so if the person says, I want my money back, and you do not have the power to give that person their money back, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All that we've got is a ring of trees uh, and nowhere to go. And so that's the next thing is 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 having a realistic understanding of what what do I handle and what do I send up the chain and then having a plan for how that happens. Yeah. And I think this is where one of the tools that has served me best as a manager, I have done a lot in terms of customer service education. And you look at big companies outside veterinary medicine that do customer service really well and that Disney has their university. Ritz-Carlton has a training program. And one of the lessons that I remember learning very early on came from the Ritz-Carlton. And they have have a rule where any member of their team can use up to $1,000 to solve a problem for a guest. Mm -hmm. And they empower their whole team to think on their feet and say, what can I do to, to solve this problem? And if you don't want to constantly be on the phone with clients or you don't want to be constantly called to the floor, you have to create an environment where your team can solve some of those problems. Because mm-hmm. I think I think what you said is so valid, Andy. And at the same time, as a manager, like nothing is more problematic than constantly being told, well, you know, I've listened to them, but I can't do anything about it. And so yeah. now I need you to solve this problem. And so if that is your is if that's your business model, if that's your business practice as a manager, you need to fix that because your team Team, your front desk team should absolutely be empowered to change and solve some of these problems. Not all of them. Certainly not all of them. You know, if a client is demanding that you, you know, refund an $800 dental bill, that's not a decision that I expect a CSR to to have to make on their own. I don't want them to feel that pressure. But for a lot of us, we can put safety measures in place where my team is empowered up to a certain dollar amount to do something creative. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me what it is. You know, do they want to give, give, a, give away free nail trims? Do they want to give away a free bag of treats to a client who had to wait in the parking lot an extra half hour because we had an emergency come in? That kind of stuff is the stuff I want them to solve on their own all day long. And so if you don't have a system in place, there's a great YouTube video about the Ritz-Carlton's program. Check it out and and watch it and see what you can do within your own practice to empower your team. Because as a person who has been on the other side of that, nothing feels more powerless as a CSR than saying, I can't help you. Yep. I want to be able to solve the problem in real time. I want to be able to give them some solutions about what I can do because if you are telling your CSRs the only answer they have is to say no or to say this is our protocol or, or this is our policy, your business model is going to continue to be pissed off people because yeah. you're not empowering your team to, to, to solve the problem and tell clients what they can do for them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's wonderful. Let's talk about the tools in the toolbox. Yep. So- If you're on the front desk 
and you were getting this anger sent your way. Mm -hmm. And we're back to sort of coaching our employees. Yep. Right. First thing for me is that emotional separation of separate people and behavior. Realize that this is not your fault. This is not a critique of you. Hurt people hurt people. Everyone's fighting about it. We don't know anything about I am playing the customer service game, right? If I can get those things out in my head, then that allows me to be calm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have, you cannot, get, if you start feeling your, your chest tighten, if you start feeling your own emotions coming up, that's bad. Yeah. And I want you to catch that early, but we cannot get drawn into being triggered, dealing with a triggered person because that's just rubbing or smacking sticks of dynamite together. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's bad. So strategically, I need you to be calm. Right. We need to let these things go. And some of that comes down to the realization. This has helped me a lot when we talk about feedback. And I learned this from the Internet. This is this is a social media lesson. Uh, I hate to give social media credit for but but I have to. Social media lesson is people will often give you feedback and not in a good way. Right. But that doesn't invalidate the feedback. People will say things to you in the wrong way, in a way that's not fair or not kind or not nice. But it doesn't necessarily invalidate that feedback. And so thinking about that, say, I'm calm. Mm -hmm. What is the feedback here? And if you can take that and take the the point they're trying to wake out of what they're saying, then you can turn this into a more positive conversation. Because then you can just come back and say, okay, what I'm hearing you say is that you are consistently having the experience of making an appointment and showing up 10 minutes early for that appointment. And then not getting in for 20 minutes after that. And that has happened over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest of their delivery and their statements about, you know, my, my haircut, I, I let that stuff go, you know. Right. Because right. this is the issue that they're, that they're talking about. Right. And, and just pulling it out, I do not like the way this person is giving me feedback. But I'm, that does not immediately invalidate their feedback. I, that helps me to get, to get useful and to take this conversation in a productive way. Another tool that has been really helpful for me personally and for working with my CSR team members, to your point about remaining calm, is one of the things that my CSRs tend to really struggle with has been clients' tone. Mm-hmm. And I think remembering that when people are angry, the tone of their voice changes. And so often they focus on the tone of the voice and not what is actually being said. And so they'll be like, this client is so mad or there's this pissed off client on line one. I need you to talk to them. And when I get on the phone and I start talking to them, having the 5,000 foot mile high view, I can very quickly see that the CSR is focusing on the tone of voice and not actually what is being said because the tone is very angry or is very mad. And so their perception is that that's the client's state. When I start talking to the client and start separating out those things and really listening to what are they actually saying, it is very easy to change the tone. And so so rule number one for me is to stay calm and don't focus on their tone of voice. Listen to what are they actually saying what are yeah. the what are the words what what information are they sharing with you because that's really important that's going to help you figure out how to steer towards the field and roll past the tree versus slamming into the tree head on yeah and and when it comes to rolling past the tree too uh, one of the tools just to, to roll is, is venting. Let them vent. I think a lot of times we measure our success or how bad this is by how long the other person talks. 
Well, let me tell you about the, and then I had this, and then I felt this way, and blah, 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 and then I said this, and the person goes, wow, they just keep going. They, they, they must be really, really mad, mm-hmm. or they just keep going. This is getting more and more unfair, and the truth is people need to vent. Customer service research again and again shows that venting is correlated to increasing customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Let them talk. Let them get upset. Let them, let them go, and keep listening. Take notes. Things like that. Yep. But sometimes just the person getting it off their chest yep. and feeling heard, that is the most important thing. And I think that a lot of times when people uh, at the front desk will get in these situations, they think that success is stopping the venting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is not success. Yeah. You stopping them venting is you stopping that rolling car mm-hmm. uh, with a tree. And, and don't. Let them go. There was a uh, an elderly veterinarian came up to me one time after a lecture, and I had been talking about angry clients. And I had talked about this. I had talked about let them vent. And he said that one of his mentors 50 years ago said, let them talk. Everybody has to breathe. Mm-hmm. Meaning, let them go. You will get your chance to talk mm-hmm. when they are done. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, Andy, but I'm so busy. And I'm going, this is one of those things that is an investment. Yep. Yeah, you are busy. But if you shut this person down, that rage will metastasize and then you will end up dealing with it another time in another way that will be less pleasant. Yeah. And, it, you know, so really it's like, yep, this is a time suck. My advice is to do it now because if you shut it down, you will end up investing this time and more later on and the outcome will not be as good. So let them vent. Yeah. And I think the ne- the next thing for me after making them feel heard and and letting them vent like you said because everybody has to come up for air at some point for me one of the most powerful tools that I have learned from a client service perspective has been the tool of empathy Mm -hmm. and the tool of an apology because it does not ever hurt anything to say I am sorry for the impact that us running an hour late had on your day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost me anything to say that to them. I'm not admitting that they were right. I'm not reaching for the raging flaming sword of justice. Nothing is happening except for I am validating that being in their shoes could really suck. Yeah. It really could suck if I had to sit in the parking lot for an hour because my team forgot about that client. It absolutely could suck. It also could suck that they just had a really bad day because something unavoidable happened in the clinic and they're not mad at me, but they're just mad at the situation. It could totally suck for that too. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry that this was the impact to you. I'm sorry that you, you know, your pet, whatever. There's nothing wrong with saying, saying I'm sorry. And so to me, that is one of the most powerful tools of empathy we have is to apologize for the impact and then to also recognize that being in their place in their shoes really could suck and it's okay to say that (laughs) oh it's it's more it's more than okay right apology is emotional compensation it is something nice that you are giving to the owner and honestly a lot of times you're not going to make this person happy if you don't apologize and so a lot of times people get all fired up in this sort of scorekeeping thing or they worry that they're somehow admitting guilt like, oh, I was wrong. I failed you. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. what it means if I apologize. Because yeah. it's not true. 
That's not true. We we need to stop thinking that way. This is this is emotional conversation, and uh, and it's admitting that things didn't go the way that we want them to go. The easiest thing for me is is to stop and think. If I was that person, would I? Is this how I would want things to go? And if the answer is no, then I would say, look, I'm really sorry you had this experience. I know that I I don't want to wait for an hour when I show up for a doctor's appointment. I totally understand. Right. I'm not saying our client did anything wrong. I'm not apologizing and saying, oh, we failed you. No. I didn't know a dog was hit by a car and coming in the door on emergency and destroyed everything. I'm, and I'm not going to apologize for that. But I, I wish that I wish that this hadn't happened. And, you know, and now let's think creatively. Is Are there things that we could have done? Yes. And we get into this a lot when I start talking about how exactly to break down and handle the technical part of the angry client, but we get into things like, could we have communicated to this person? Hey, just so you know, we've just had an emergency come in. It's been pretty significant. Would you like to wait for your appointment, knowing that it's going to be pushed back? Would you like to drop your pet off? Would you like to reschedule? Would you like to see a different doctor? Those are all things that I can do. And I'd say, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I, I should have communicated earlier. This happened, you know, and, and I, I do apologize. And, and you can even say why. I, I really was hoping that we could get you in, that this would not take as long. Right. But but it did. And, and, and I, I'm sorry. And I understand. And I wouldn't want to have to wait an hour as well. You know, or, or you may have had nothing to do with it and just say, I, I'm terribly sorry we've had this emergency. This is what happened. This is why it happened. And and that that means a lot. That's, that's you know, that's credibility. Yeah. So uh, I would... I would make sure that I'm not holding out on the apology. Mm -hmm. Uh, At some point, let's go to the last part. The last part of this is the boundary part where you have to also recognize at some point, if a person is not going to be happy, I've said I'm sorry, then at some point, you know, it just doesn't do any good for me to continue to circle back again and again to this point. Mm -hmm. If this person is not going to be happy, at some point I have to recognize this person is not going to be happy. And Mm -hmm. that, and that is the boundary, you know, you know, that, that is it. And so I have played the game. The big thing is not to take it personally, but it is fine when the person comes back again and again and continues to be upset and just say, "I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't know what else, what else to say? This is where we are. This is what happened. I can have the manager reach out when she's back in the office tomorrow, you know, blah, blah, blah. But beyond that, I can continue to listen. But, uh, and if that's making a uh, headway, then, then, and this is still in the venting phase, I may, I may do that. But for the most mm-hmm. part, at some point, you as the CSR have to know that, that there are some people, you're not going to make them happy. Yeah. They don't want to be happy. They don't want to be appeased. This is about a larger righteous issue. And that may, the best thing that you can do is say, sir, you know, sir, I have uh, taken your concern down. I am going to pass it up the chain. I am going to have our practice owner review this mm-hmm. and he will reach out and, uh, and talk to you about it yeah. when he's back in the office. And that's it. And then you fall into sort of what I call the broken record defense, which is where whatever they say, you say, I understand. I yeah. have absolutely taken this concern down. I will make sure the practice owner gets it and that he gives you a call. Yeah. Yep. I, I completely understand. Like I said, I'm going to loop the practice owner in on this and make sure. And, and you know, and and that and that's where we end up in that broken record defense. And I think that's for, for me as a manager that also has been a powerful tool in terms of wrapping up those conversations that the CSR struggle with is to say like look I can always take action on their concern that action can be as simple as saying we will talk about this as a team I will talk to our practice owner about this I will review this with the CSR team there can always be something that we do even if it's just 
looking at ourselves and looking at the situation and asking the question, how could we have done this better for you? Thank you for your feedback. We always have opportunities to improve and we're going to look we're going to look at this. I really appreciate you bringing this issue forward to me. That is so so powerful yeah. because that's part of the resolution process for a client in terms of wanting to be heard is feeling like something is going to be done. And it may not be the something that they want, but I promise that hearing that you have the intention to do something about it is a very powerful de-escalation tool in terms of working with the client. And then having when it's when it's justified having follow-up, you know, if you need to look into a situation and get back to a client, get back to the client. Don't don't write it off. Don't forget about it. Don't mm. not do it. I've d- I've done that before where, you know, I've had the hacked off client and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to look at that. And then, you know, crap hits the fan and there's 10 other issues that need to be solved and I forget about it. And then that client comes back more fired off than they ever were in the first place because they didn't call them back yeah. and they're not wrong, you know, and that that sucks. Don't put yourself in that place. Follow through on your commitment. And even if it's just raising awareness with the team to say, hey, guys, I talked to, you know, Mrs. Smith and she said that she waited in the parking lot yesterday for an hour because we forgot about her. What happened? Yeah. Because what happened, maybe we had a hit by a car walk in the door. And I didn't know that when I talked to Mrs. Smith. And so now I have the ability to pick up the phone and call Mrs. Smith and say, yeah, you know, Mrs. Smith, I'm I'm so sorry. I did have a chance to talk to the team. And it turns out we had a hit by car come in. And I know that it sounds like we didn't communicate that to you. And I'm really sorry for that. But I know that you can understand that if Fluffy had been the pet hit by car that walked in the door that you would have wanted us to drop everything and take care of her too. And so, you know, I, I appreciate the feedback. We'll do a better, a much better job of communicating with you in the future, but just know that it was not intentional and we're really sorry for your wait. Like it, it can be as simple as that. Yeah. The last part on boundaries that I would say is this, you are not obligated to be abused. Mm -hmm. That is not okay. And when a client goes into abusive territory with me, they've kind of forfeited some of their rights, honestly. Um, and, And I'll tell you, as an employer, I am much less much less concerned with you making an abusive person happy than someone who's not being abusive. They're just very upset. And I just want to empower the front desk and say some of my favorite phases, favorite phrases (laughs) are things like, sir, I very much want to help you, but I'm not going to be able unless you lower your voice Mm -hmm. and we can speak reasonably. Yep. And that is a, again, I'm not, it's not a threat. It's not anything. It's, I am not going to be able to help you if you continue to use profanity at me. Yeah. And I mean it. And if they continue to use profanity, I'm going to say, I'm hanging up the phone now. Uh, Please call me back when you're able to have this conversation and hang up. And if they go leave a one-star review, that's fine. Honestly, like that's it. I don't expect my people to to fix that. If this person is in that place, that is it. Generally, they can blow up. We may may have the practice owner call them. We may not. We may respond to the the one-star review and say, we would like to discuss this. Please call us back when you're able to talk without using profanities Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and and, you know and that's I mean that is that is a thing that you can do and I think that that paints the picture for all people who are looking but again I I don't want to go to that that's not a thing I I like to do but that is it if they go and they leave a one-star review and they leave that review and it's laced with profanities everything people reading will know what happened 
I right. mean, these are, yep. this is someone who is unhinged, and they're outing themselves as unhinged. Yeah. And that, that's that's fine. You should not have to put up with that. That doesn't mean, again, you're going to want to snatch the flaming, raging sword of justice. Don't do it. S- just set the boundary and say, I want to help you. I am not going to be able to help you if you continue to use profanity uh, towards me, period. And so I think as the CSR, what can you do? One of the things you can do is ask the conversation. Ask your boss. Ask at a team meeting. Say, hey, what are our hard boundaries? Like if a client is swearing at me on the phone, what's your expectation for me as an employee? Ask your employer that. You should know what those boundary lines are. I want my team to know what the full stop moments are. If a client is, you know, screaming at them, if they are being sworn at, if they are being physically threatened or intimidated, I sure as hell hope that my team knows that my expectation is that they have the right to feel safe at work. And if a client is physically intimidating them, pick up the phone and call 911. Don't call, don't call me. Don't, don't wait for me to solve the problem. And I, I feel good about that. I feel good knowing that my team knows what my expectation is. But if you're the CSR going, I don't, know what that line is or maybe you're brand new and it hasn't come up yet ask your employer say what 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 would be your expectation what what should we do in these things because figuring that out only comes from two places it comes from talking about it proactively and figuring it out as a team or it comes from experiencing it and it usually not going so well and then wondering how do we fix this moving forward so don't let that be the way that you find out or that your teammates find out ask it doesn't hurt anything to have the conversation yep and the last thing that i want to put down on this and the last thing i would say in coaching my csr is you need to know what success looks like and I think a lot of times people have decided in their mind that success means taking someone who's angry and making them happy. Right. And that is great. That is absolutely success. That is a 100% success outfit. However, taking a client that is pitchfork, torch-wielding mob level angry and turning them into quietly disgruntled angry, that's also success. Yep. Taking someone who is about to lead an online revolt against my clinic and getting them to quietly become a client who asked to have their records transferred somewhere else. That's success. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And absolutely. I, I would love it if you could make that person happy. But sometimes that is simply not feasible. And mm-hmm. you are using, you know, high level magic spells just to get the person to not go to the local news with the thing that they're furious about, you right, know, right. that's, that's success. I say that jokingly, but you, you get the point, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it when I say there's some people who are, you're not going to make them happy. And so just making them not wildly, obsessively angry, that is moving heaven and earth. That is the greatest accomplishment possible. Yep. And so remember the things I said at the beginning, I am focused on how likely is this client to go and say negative things about our practice? When they talk about our practice, how uh, potent is what they say? Like, how vitriolic is it? And the last thing is, can we retain them as a client? And if you can get them, uh, we may lose them as a client, but we decrease the chances of them uh, going to local Facebook groups and starting untrue rumors about us. That's a win. Yeah. And so just don't hold yourself to this idea of, I could not make that person happy. Remember the game. And sometimes uh, playing to a draw is the best outcome you can possibly get. I love it. Come in. That was super good. I'm really glad we did that. I, we it felt good to sort of unpack all that. Yeah, I agree. I hope that I hope that this is helpful and 
I would love for our team members to know and remember that one of the things that you and I love the most is diving into these kind of things and answering questions from the team. And so if you have a question, if you want to know how to handle something in the practice, how to work with your boss to figure out what what are my expectations, how to handle clients, that kind of stuff. Um, know that you guys can always reach out to us. We love getting mail in our mailbag and people can find us where? We can find us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That is the best way to get something into our mailbag. And then obviously we do the social medias. Uh, if you haven't checked out Uncharted Vet on uh, Instagram, uh, you would be surprised at how good the Instagram <laughs> is uh, thanks to the amazing Tyler Grogan. But we have got, uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on the social medias. Also, uh, under the Dr. Andy Rourke brand, I'm going to be doing uh, some serious staff training stuff coming up. And so that yep. is a resource that has not existed before, but we are getting everything laid out right now. And tune in to the DrAndyRourke.com. If you're not on the email list for Dr. Andy, it's a great email list. It has all of our writings and our blogs and videos and things like that. And then also you will learn about our staff training stuff that we have coming out, which will be super fun and good. I love it. I love it. Take care, you guys. Have a fantastic week. Awesome, my friend. Be well, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it lived up to the hype that I gave it at the very beginning. I think this is a good episode. I think a lot of people need to hear it. I hope it's super, super helpful. If there's other things that Stephanie and I can help you with, please shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And we are so happy to try to help you out. Guys, until next week, be, be careful, be safe, take care of yourselves, let the bad stuff go, and hold on to the good stuff because you deserve it. Talk soon. Bye. We can just clap together if you want. <laughs> that's just for us, though. That's oh, not. I can't. That's not for Dustin uh, producing the uh, the podcast. That's just for us. <laughs>